Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. I want to welcome you to our gathering today as we study the scriptures and God's word together. And I want to invite you, wherever you're at, whether you're listening to my voice, you're joining us for this live stream, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 84. You you may recognize that today we are not in our usual surroundings. I've brought this teaching on location for a couple of different reasons, but I brought it to the woods of Ottawa County because these woods bring back a memory from when I was growing up. One of the things that we experienced as kids uh, and together as a family is that we would go camping together. For, for about seven years straight, we would go wilderness camping up in the utter, uh, uppermost parts of um, Ontario, Canada. And we would go out into a place like this, a place filled with uh, different kinds of pine trees, a place where in the summer the sun would bake down upon it. And we would go canoeing and we would cross these areas of land called portages and we'd put everything on our backs that was in our canoe and we'd go to the next lake and then we'd go to the next lake as we paddle through and we come to these portages. And we'd pack everything in that we needed and we'd pack everything out that we'd brought with us. But one of the things that just I, I remember so vividly about coming off the trail is after about five or six days of eating nothing but dehydrated food and powdered eggs that you'd reconstitute and all these things, you'd come off the trail and you'd be starving and you were tired of trail mix and you were tired of crystal light drink and you were tired of dehydrated cereals and what you wanted was fresh food. And I remember one of these trips, we, we got off the trail, we loaded up the canoes, we took them back and we stopped at a sub shop. And at the sub shop, we each got two foot long subs a piece. And we also got to have like an orange crush with it. And and I'll tell you, nothing tastes better than an orange crush or than a sub sandwich or a hamburger or something like that, like comfort food, when you come off the trail and all you've been used to eating are freeze dried meals. That yearning, that longing for fresh food is what I want to talk about today, but not directed towards food. I want to talk about longing and how God wants us to long after Him. Psalm 84 is a favorite psalm of mine. I remember it from when I was a kid, and it has just great lessons to teach us about what it means to walk with God and what it means to desire after God. And it talks about blessing in this psalm. And here's the big idea I want you to get a hold of today. It's this, knowing God's blessing only comes by personally knowing God. Okay, knowing God's blessing only comes by personally knowing God. And so if you have your Bibles, would you please read with me Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home, and a swallow a nest for her young, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How happy or blessed are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually, Selah. How happy are the people 
whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper at the house of my God than to live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of hosts. Psalm 84 gives us an incredible picture of yearning. It describes the heart of a worshiper, but, but it doesn't describe the life of a person who has attained everything or, is a, or who has achieved the pinnacle of everything in their life. It describes a person, rather, who is on a journey of learning to be satisfied by the one who alone can bring all satisfaction. Only God can satisfy, and that's what the psalmist proclaims in these words. Now, Psalm 84 occurs within a book of the Bible called the Psalms, and um, scholars and um, people throughout the ages have divided the book of Psalms into five parts, and these correspond uh, to the first five books of the Bible, known as the Torah. Um, this one falls in the third book, which would correspond to the book of Leviticus. And because of this, one scholar has written that this section focuses upon responding in worship to God's instruction in holiness. All right, responding in worship to God's instruction in holiness. And so the response for the psalmist is to yearn after God, to go after God, to allow God's heart, to allow God's mind, and allow God's thoughts become that which drives them closer to the heart of God. Uh, it might say in your Bible, in the superscription, a, a um, written by the sons of Korah. Now, the, the sons of Korah, these were Levites who assisted people with worship. And the words of the psalm suggest that for some reason, the psalmist is not able to be at the temple. But regardless of this, it's clear that he desires to be in God's courts because that is where he believes and knows where God's blessing is found. And so the, the word blessing or the word blessed is something that occurs a couple different times uh, depending on your translation. It might be blessed, it might be how happy or how fortunate, but it's a significant word in the psalm. It occurs in verse 4, verse 5, and verse 12, and it's used in total 23 times in the psalms. In fact, the idea of blessing is first mentioned in Psalm 1 where it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers, but who whose delight is in the law of the Lord, that's the person who discovers and realizes God's blessing because he meditates upon God's teaching day and night. You come to the end of Psalm chapter 2, and it says, Blessed are all who take refuge in God. So, so blessing is something in the Bible that is not just a source of material um, prosperity or abundance. It's something that is found in God himself. One scholar has written, these statements serve as a paradigm 
for the usage of this word blessing, which is the Hebrew word ashrei, throughout this book. There's a wisdom, there's a devotional side of this word that regards or is related to the obedience of God's word or the Torah and reverent worship of God alone. That's what Psalm 1 and 2 are getting at when they use the word blessed. So, so what does it mean then when the psalmist declares in Psalm 84 that blessing is found in personally knowing God? What, what, what does that look like? How is that walked out? And that's what we want to talk about today. And so we, we could divide our passage up into a couple of different sections. The first one is Psalm 84 verses 1 through 4. And you could summarize this group of phrases here, or these group of um, verses, by the phrase, those who are blessed dwell with God. Or put another way, blessing comes from dwelling with God. Psalm 84 verse 1 says, how lovely, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. Now the word lovely here is a word that means attractive or beloved, or it can mean dearly loved. How dearly loved is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Now what he is saying here is he's talking about intimate relationship with God, because in the frame of reference of the Jewish worshiper of Yahweh, to seek the place where God dwells is to seek God himself. Sometimes we might say today, I want to go to church. And one of the things that we mean by that um, in the culture is we're going to go to the building that the church meets at. Because in the Bible, the, the church is never a building, it's actually a people. But it's a people who are centered in, in striving to follow and to know and to be in relationship with God. And the psalmist here says, it's it, how dearly loved is God's dwelling place, not because of the place itself, but because of God who dwells there. In other words, to seek God's dwelling place is to desire God himself. And, and this word lovely describes an intense desire that is felt by his entire being. All right. It's not like, oh, I love that, and I just kind of feel like warm and fuzzy, or I just like kind of like that. It's, it's my whole being longs to be where God is. My head, my heart, my hands, my feet, all of these things that comprise who I am as a person long to be where God is. Now, in Psalm 84, verse 2, um, it says, in the Hebrew, you could translate it this way. It says, my soul longs, it even pines for being with God. There's a deep sense of longing to be with God, but there's a recognition that God alone can bring blessing amidst emptiness. He says, I long and I yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. And this, word, this language is used elsewhere in the Psalms. For example, you, you might know this one or be familiar with it. Psalm 42 says, as the deer longs for water. And the idea here is that a deer is crouched at a, at a pool of water where it is sucking in water, where it cannot get enough until it is fully satisfied. As a deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. That's what it means when the psalmist says, I long and I yearn for the courts of God. It's something that there is no way that they can have any sustenance without coming to God. 
Psalm 73 uh, has a similar meaning where, when the psalmist says, My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The idea here of longing, what I want you to understand is this is not a small longing. It's not like, oh, I'd like to have a cookie. It is, I need God more than any other thing. Like the most basic needs of my life, I need God. Like I need air, like I need water, like I need a place over my head to rest at night. All these things are ways that we can understand this deep longing and hunger and yearning for God. See, we don't always love from the heart, but, but God wants us to long and to yearn after Him with all that we have. Now, Psalm uh, 84 verse 3 begins to use a, um, an analogy here. And he talks about how a sparrow finds her home, a swallow, a, a nest for herself where she places her young. Near your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Now, the psalmist here may be referring to small clefts or small like uh, openings or concaves within the temple itself. And these were so small, but large enough for swallows or sparrows to take little bits of twigs and stuff like that and, and go in there and make a nest for their young. He is desiring so much to be near God that he thinks about these birds who have nesting places within the temple corridors, within the holy place even perhaps itself. And, and, and he says, how blessed are they because they get to be near where God dwells. And at the end of this first section, he ends with a declaration. He says, blessed or how happy are those who reside in your house who praise you continually. And so we've talked about this word blessed a little bit. And it means happy. It means fortunate. But it, it carries more than just happy or fortunate. It has this idea of entering God's permanent joy. And how do we do that? The only way we enter God's permanent joy is by seeking God personally, ourselves, with all that we have. The psalm becomes very personal for us as followers of Jesus because while the Spirit of God dwelled within the temple and the tabernacle and, and the, specifically the most holy place and the altar within that in the Old Testament times when the temple was standing, the New Testament tells us that today our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit when we begin a relationship with Jesus. It, it's, it's an amazing thing, really, that God comes to earth not to be distant from us, but He comes to earth because He wants to be close. And He sends His Spirit to live and to dwell within our hearts because our lives and our bodies make up this temple of the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing about that is this. Number one, God loves you and I individually. He, he loves the church as a bride and as a body, but He loves you and I individually. So much so that he sent Jesus to die for us, so that he could have this relationship with us. But, but it also reminds me that we have immediate access to our Father through the work of Jesus and the dwelling Holy Spirit within us. We can constantly dwell with God. I don't know where you're listening to this right now. Maybe you're on your couch at home. Maybe you're working on something in the kitchen. Maybe you're going out for a run and you're catching up with the podcast. Maybe you're driving somewhere. Listen to me. Wherever you are at right now, you can dwell with God. 
Right? You don't have to come back to a building to dwell with God. You don't even have to come back to a people, although the people of God do um, live out God's presence in a very powerful way. Wherever you are at right now, you personally and individually, you can dwell with God. And what an amazing truth that is. You can enter into his joy regardless of your location because we enter into this relationship with the Father by the Spirit. Now, at the end of verse 4, it says, Selah. All right? This is a musical terminology that's used all the time in the Psalms. And it just means this. Pause. Take a breath. Breathe. And think. Think about what the psalmist just said. How would your life and my life change if we constantly and intentionally sought to dwell with God today? And then tomorrow? And the next day? How would it change what you watch? How would it change what you read? How would it change how you spend your time? How would it change how you interact with your spouse? How would it change your your apprehensions for tomorrow? How would it change your regrets of the past to walk with God today and to know that you're dearly loved by God and that you, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and God delights in you. What would it mean for you to dwell with God in that reality today? Now, verse 5 picks up. Verse 5 picks up. It says, Happy or blessed is the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And you could summarize um, these verses, verses 5 through 8, with a simple phrase. Um, Those who are blessed, they find strength in God. Those who are blessed, they find strength in God. The psalmist picks up here, and he picks up with this highway image. He uses this word called pilgrimage, and it's not a word that we use all the time, but it's describing something that the original hearers knew a lot about. See, at least three times a year, if you were Jewish and you were male, you were called, wherever you lived in the country of Israel, you were called to come up to Jerusalem for pilgrimage. For pilgrimage, the word in Hebrew is to uh, to make aliyah, or to go up. The word Allah means to go up, and you come up not just to come to a city for a vacation. You come up to meet with God in His house. You come up to give offerings and sacrifices of worship and praise and and all these things to remember that God has provided all you need for your year, uh, all that His hand has given you is a blessing from God. And so they'd come up in these pilgrim feasts and they would sing and they would often travel as a community because it was safer that way. So there'd be, you know, several dozen people or even a lot more coming up to Jerusalem. And as they come up for these things, they're singing and and they're remembering different psalms as they come up to worship. There's actually a whole um, series of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, which we studied last year. If you want to go study those, go to our teaching place on our website, and you can find uh, individual teachings on the Psalms of Ascent. These are specific psalms that were used within the gathering for worship of God's people. And as they come up, they build and they sing in excitement as they reach the holy city. And The picture here is that the people who are coming to worship God, who are declaring who God is and what God has done, that God is sufficient, these are people whose hearts are set 
on pilgrimage. That they're set on coming towards God. See, when you seek God, your heart has certain highways or directions. Uh, highways can go many places. I, I remember one time I was coming back home from a funeral that was out of our city. And, and I turned left on a road and it ended up taking me the exact opposite direction from where I actually needed to go. Now, after a few minutes, I finally realized this. I turned around and I finally made my way back to my house. But if you get on the wrong highway and you start heading the wrong way, you can end up in a very different location than where you had intended. For the psalmist, to go after God means to have his heart right in the proper direction. He, he's going in the right pathway. And he begins to describe this pathway in the next verse. But before we talk about that, I, we just need to remember and realize that if our heart is not directed towards God, we will fail to experience his blessing in our life. In fact, I love what um, the famous preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon says. He says this, Neither prayer nor praise nor the hearing of the word will be pleasant or profitable to persons who have left their hearts behind them. A company of pilgrims who had left their hearts at home would be no better than a caravan of carcasses, quite unfit to blend with the living saints and adoring the living God. He says of this phrase, In whose hearts are the ways of them, or far better, in whose hearts are are thy ways, talking about verse 5, those who love the ways of God are blessed, Spurgeon says. When we have God's ways in our hearts and our heart in his ways, we are what and where we should be, and hence we shall enjoy the divine approval. In other words, what he's saying is this, it's possible to go on a highway and not go towards the right goal. But when God's teaching, when God's words are part of who we are, that sets us on the right path to pilgrimage. One of the Psalms, it's Psalm 100, says to, to come before God with rejoicing and thanksgiving. And the reason that all these imperatives are given is because the psalmist knows as you walk out praising God for who he is and what he has done, the heart often will follow. Now, sometimes it follows slowly, sometimes it follows quickly. But when our hearts are going down a different highway, we have to bring them back to who God is, what God has done. And as we declare that, we set our hearts on the right highway that leads towards God. In verse 6, he begins to describe this highway. But as he describes the highway, he uses a couple of different words I want to point out. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baha, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. Okay, so there's three words I want you to note here. The first one is Baha. The second one is source. Um, in Hebrew, it's the word Mayan. And the third word is, the last word is blessings or Bracha. And there's, there's a word play going on here for the psalmist. You go from Baka to Bracha. And the way you do that is you go through Mayan. Here's the picture. Baka is weeping or lamentation. All right. It's describing you go through a valley and there's weeping there because there's sorrow, because there's loss, because you recognize that we live in a broken world and sometimes broken world things happen here. Sometimes we choose that valley. We make decisions that take us down paths that lead us into really challenging times. Sometimes those, those experiences just come to us because of the fallen world in which we live. 
wherever you find out, wherever you find you are at, this is not a place where we normally rejoice. We don't like to rejoice when we are weeping. And in fact, weeping has a, a good characteristic in the Bible when it's directed towards God, as we'll see in the text. So as you pass through the valley of Baha, weeping or lamentation, they make it a source of spring water. So the picture is this, you're going down into a valley and you're weeping because of things around you. But in there, in your weeping, for the heart that is set upon God, that valley is not just a valley of weeping. It's a valley of being sustained through that loss, through that grief, through that fear, by who God is, so much so that that source of a valley in your life becomes something that becomes a source or a headwaters, which is what the word mayan means. It's a headwaters for blessing, which is the next word that's coming, bracha. See, when you come to the source of the headwaters, it's important to remember that, that our heart attitude is vital because what we experience in life, even weeping, can be a place where then we are refreshed by the abundant water that comes from God Himself, the, the complete satisfaction that comes from God Himself. In fact, when our situation is full of weeping and dryness, sometimes that is where we experience God's gracious hand of blessing, the most powerful in our life. So you go through the valley of weeping or Baha, you come to these um, sources of, th this makes it a source of spring water. And it says, even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. And the word blessings here is the word Baha. So there's a, there's a phrase, wordplay going on between Baha becomes Bracha. And a bracha is a blessing, or it's a pool. And this is the result of setting your heart on pilgrimage. When we set our hearts towards God, we find out that God is all that we need, and He alone satisfies. And so even when it's dry, and even when we feel barren, when we pursue God, God will give us the rich, abundant supply of water that we need. And that water often comes through a word of encouragement from a friend. Or it comes through the study of God's Word where we're reminded that, that, that we're loved no matter what we have done. Maybe it comes through recognizing that there are difficult moments in life, but God Himself, through His Son Jesus, has experienced incredibly difficult moments, and He walks with us through this valley. See, the idea is this. Pilgrimage is not about asking God for deliverance, but it's about living a life of dependence on God in all situations. Now, the psalmist says, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Selah. Maybe in this pause right now, you need to say, God, I have in some ways allowed my weeping to become something that has turned into complaining and something instead of something that has turned me back towards you. If that's you, would you say, God, you are more than enough for me today. God, thank you that in this morning, in this time of sorrow, you meet me and you meet me with perfect supply of grace. Now, as you've thought about that, I want, you to, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever experienced God's blessing uniquely during weeping? Have you ever experienced it uniquely during weeping? If you have, w would you take that story that came to your mind? Would you share that with someone this week? 
because there's a lot of people going through times of weeping. We, we, we all seem to kind of come in and out of these seasons. W- would you just share an encouragement about how God met you in a time that was really challenging in your life? But I also want to ask you this question. When hardship comes, do you go away from God or do you move toward Him? Whose strength do you rely upon on, rely upon during hard times? Your own or God's? All right, so we've looked at the first component of, um, of the psalm, the first four verses. We've looked at the next three verses. Now, now we're going to pick up in verse 9, and we're going to take this all the way to the end. Now, in um, verses 9 and following, the psalmist says, Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. And he says this in verse 10, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. All right. I don't know about you, but if I think about a thousand days, that's a whole lot of time. I, I mean, that's, that's about three years of living. And the psalmist is basically saying, I'd rather have one day in the presence of God than three years doing whatever else it is on earth that I might want to do. He makes a bold statement here. And it's bold because we are distracted people. We often seek what is better on the other side. But, but the psalmist puts a stake in the ground here because he's made his choice and he, and he would rather stand guard at the, at the, at the doorway. It, some of your texts say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper or someone who watches over the house of God than dwell within the tents of the wicked. He would rather guard at God's house than to be where all the wicked people are engaging in all the things that are unholy to God. And see, the psalmist recognizes the good gifts of God. In verse 11, he says, For the Lord God, He is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. See, the psalmist is eager to live with integrity regardless of the cost that that means for him in this world. He wants to be where God is. And he recognizes that grace and glory are things that can only come from God. And sometimes we look at um, the culture around us and we say, well, why is it that they receive blessing and I don't? Sometimes we look and say, why do they have fun, but, but, but I don't? But the psalmist is reorienting because good is always something that is described by God. It, it, God creates things and he calls them good. The, the writer of James says, um, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. See, I think one of the things we do in our culture is we, we like to say, well, God, this must be good and so this is what I must have. And yet what God gives to us is good, whether we always see it as good from his hand or not. The, the, the psalmist comes to the end of this, uh, this writing, and he says in verse 12, he says, Blessed or happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of hosts. See, the, the psalm is well summarized in this last statement. When, when we trust God, our confidence is sure. It's unmoving, despite the many distractions that we face. In fact, it's in this trust of God, this I'm all in, God, whatever you trust me to have, whatever God I need, I trust you to provide. That's where we experience true blessing. 
because we're not out trying to make a name for ourselves or trying to make a way for ourselves. We, we are solely focused upon finding a relationship in pursuing a relationship with God because it's through Him and Him alone that all of our needs are ultimately met. And so the question comes with down to this. How, how do we experience blessing in our lives today? What does it mean to experience God's God's um, presence in God's relationship. And th this is where I come back to where I'm seated right now. Uh, behind the camera, there's, a, there's a, a fire pit. And one of my favorite things about camping when I was a kid was gathering around the fire pit at night. One reason is because I, I was a young boy and I liked to play with fire. Like I liked to build the fire, I liked to make it as hot as I could, I liked to make the coals uh, nice and red hot and all this kind of stuff. But even more important than that, what the fire represents gathering around is the family gathering around. And what happens around a fire is you begin to look at these flames, but as you do that, you're having conversations with the people to your right and to your left. For me, that would have been my parents or some close friends, but the fire pit while camping is a place that is not cluttered with distraction because there was no cell phones at the time that we could have with us. It's a place where we weren't um, tempted to go off and watch TV because there was no electricity. It's a place where we were all there, our mind, our heart, our body, we were all gathered around. And that is, I think, a picture of what God wants in His relationship with us. The way we experience blessing is by putting down all the noise and all the distractions, opening up the Word of God and saying, God, how will you teach me today? Allowing God's Word to speak into our lives, allowing God's Word to be um, that which guides our path and provides a lamp to our feet is something that deepens our walk with God. Other moments in which you can experience God's presence right now is right after this is done, hit stop on whatever device you're watching and sit in silence for just a couple minutes. Just a couple minutes. Take, take five, ten minutes. Think about what we've been talking about. And if it's your desire, say, God, I want to know you more fully. God, would you reveal yourself to me? through the working of your spirit and the reading of your word, God, would you bring people into my life to bring encouragement to what I'm facing today? Some of you also need to say, God, would you bring me into the lives of other people who need not a word of Jeremy's wisdom or a word of your own wisdom, but they, they need to hear how God has been faithful despite the challenges of life. They, they need to hear about how I'm wrestling through what my faith means for me. See, there, there's a lot we can do as pastors and leaders and, and, and teachers within the church. But the one thing we can't do is we can't fake a relationship with God for you. You have to own, I have to own my walk with God because if I don't and if you don't for yourself, no one else will. Take a few moments today. Take a few moments tomorrow. Seek God's face and know this. God's blessing only comes by personally knowing God. The, the richest of, of things God wants to give you is himself. 
It's not a better car. It's not a better house. It's not a different job. It's not out of your troubles. What God wants to give you amidst whatever you are facing today is a deeper walk with Him. And if you pray, God, would you give me a deeper desire to know you today? I believe in God's Word says you will experience incredible favor and blessing from God because He will meet you where you are at. It won't, doesn't mean that you won't have questions. It doesn't mean you won't, you won't still work through some of life. It doesn't mean that you won't experience hard times, but it means that you'll be reminded that in the midst of everything, God is with you. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, that you speak to us and that your word gives um, wisdom and direction for our living today. And God, it's our desire to know you. Take these moments now that we set aside to pause and to still to say la, what we have just been studying. And God, reveal to us by your Spirit how we can know you more personally, more intimately. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anything we can do to help you walk with God more closely, please let us know. We're praying for you and have a great day. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.